I'm Joel, and with me, as always, per the huge, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Hey, how you doing? I'm not bad, Jason. Hey, happy International Tabletop Day a week late. I guess we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah, we, we, we will for sure. Absolutely. Uh, what's new with you? Um, not a whole lot. Um, I'm going to be having a couple days of gaming this weekend because Katie's going out of town. So I have a Friday night game group planned and a Saturday sometime game group planned. So I'm pretty pumped about that. That'll make up for last weekend. I uh, Yeah, you had a disappointing tabletop day, you said. so. Yeah, I mean, I still got the game. It just wasn't too as much as I would have liked, I guess. I played like eight games. It just, I would have liked more. Yeah, I, I have an idea that I'm going to try. And it's going to be like peripherally related to the board game mechanics. But we'll see... We'll see how that all ends up coming out. So I'll talk about more of that in the news. I actually have a couple things in the news, Jason, I want to drop into. So I don't know. I guess with further ado, we'll move into the news. All right. So let's get started with the news. Um, I just have a couple things I wanted to talk about, and it's just board game mechanic related. So we received a copy of Yard of the Month, and I've played it. Four times, I believe, and a review will be coming soon. It's actually a pretty fun game, but we'll save the rest of the opinions for the review. And also, we have Pixel Glory Light and Shadow, which is a sequel to Pixel Glory. And that has been played two or three times, and a review will be coming on that as well shortly. Fun. Uh, In board game related news, too, I'm going to mention this. Uh, I'm going to try and see... so. Pay attention to probably it'll be on. I don't know if you can go live on the riveted page, but if you can, I'll go live there because that's the little bit looser, less official branded page. Um, but I'm going to try and do a Google Live Hangout. Uh, so look for a link sometime where we're going to do some tabletop role playing at some point. Um, I think it'll be super loosely affiliated with the board game mechanics, but if you like what I do, um, I'm going to try and do an old Dungeon Crawl Classics campaign and. It's kind of fun. I'm going to play certainly with my brother who gets mentioned here a lot. Last time I played this game with him, uh, a part of the random generated characters that you get is they have like a profession and they get some kind of item. So like a lot of people are farmers and you have a pitchfork that you can go and, you know, hit people with. But right. he was one of his characters was a beggar. And so like it was randomly generated. <laughs> one of his characters was a beggar and he had a wooden bowl with cheese dip in it. It's so like... <laughs> That's hilarious. He ate the cheese dip secretly behind like a like hill. And then he like carried this wooden bowl right around with him. And then like when you're a level zero character in Dungeon Crawl Classics, you don't have a profession at all. Like you just are a person. Well, then as soon as he hit level one, he became like a sorcerer. And he spent the rest of his time trying to summon more cheese dip into his bowl. So, I mean, that's the kind of stupid <laughs> stuff that we do when we play this game. So, if you're – if I don't know if it'll be Friday nights or Saturday nights. But I think we're going to try and do a couple times a month just some stupid – Google Live or Facebook Live uh, role playing game for a couple hours, and we're not we're not awesome. We're not you know Critical Role or uh, like Harmon Quest, but I think we're stupider than them, so that makes it fun too. So yeah, and maybe on one of those, I'll join you. Oh maybe. please, May- maybe on one, I'll give you all the cheese dip you could handle as the game master. <laughs> I'll think about it. I'll ponder it. The cheese dip is enticing. I'll tell you what. That's our okay. We hit 300 likes today, which means we needed to start doing some like weekly live Q and A's or something. Now, right? That's true. Yep. That was our promise. We're gonna do it. Maybe this is our 325 likes goal. Is that Jason will play a role playing tabletop game one session at 325? You down with that? Yeah, I'm good. If we can hit 325, I'll do it. All for right, sure. tell your friends. We want to see Jason play like something beyond Ameritrash. We're going to see him play <laughs> dice rolling the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, the other things I want to mention too, did you see this thing with uh, Space Coat, the board game company Space Coat? By any no, chance? I, I did not. They kickstarted a game, a Terminator game, a couple years ago. It was supposed to deliver last year. And then they basically sent an email out to all their backers and said, hey, we're really sorry. We misallocated all of our funds. And um, <laughs> we're sorry about that. 
But here's the deal. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to, we're going to be put on WeFund. And WeFund's basically like an IPO, like crowdsourcing website. And they're trying to right. raise several million dollars, I think, or several hundred thousands for sure. But I think they had a cap of $5 million where they were trying to sell off interest to their, into their company. So for as little as 100 bucks, you could get like part of a share of their company. But if they don't sell enough shares of this, it sounds like they aren't going to deliver their Kickstarter. So it's almost like they're holding their Kickstarter rewards ransom. Uh, by saying, hey, you need to come support our company, or I don't know, it's just a pretty weird deal, honestly. So, how do you misallocate all of that money? It's like, like 700 grand, too, something like that. It was a lot that's of money. Insane. Well, and then they also have a, a comic book uh, wing that basically says, like, um, or basically publishes and they make they make a profit. So they have a profitable publishing part. Um, just their games part hasn't done too well so far. But the uh, the thing about it that's that's uh, pretty crazy is that you know it might be a decent investment opportunity because they did raise like 1.5 million in revenues off their ideas and their and their other stuff. Right. But I don't know. I I probably wouldn't. The well, I guess the other thing that's even more crazy than that is this email that they sent out. I. I think it said in the footer of it, please don't share this information publicly. And I saw it publicly on Reddit and Facebook, like repeatedly over the last 24 hours. So yeah, pretty, that sounds right. pretty funny. I mean, like, but I, I would too, if I got that email, I'd be like, screw you guys. What the heck? Like, this is stupid, you know? So yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing you any favors after you steal all my money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. And then the last one is, um, oh man, I, I need to. I need to email Forbidden Games because I would love to get in on the preview level or like get an advanced copy of their new game they're offering. They did uh, the Railroad Rivals was their first Kickstarter. And I'm not sure if this one's going to Kickstarter or if just going to be published, but it's called Raccoon Tycoon. And it looks amazing. The art on it looks phenomenal. It's supposed to be like a stock manipulation economy type game. I am so interested in this game it looks exactly like my kind of stupid goofy like forest animals making wise investments kind of thing i don't know it just looks amazing so check out raccoon tycoon you guys are getting a free bit of promo here from me um pay it back by like letting me be one of your kickstarting preview guys i'll be one of your good good kickstarting preview boys and i'll tell you that it's a good game so raccoon tycoon looks pretty cool but that's it up uh for news on my end i don't know about you jason you have anything else nope i'm good moving on So, Jason, you had a less than optimal uh, day of tabletopping on Tabletop Day. Can you tell yeah. me about your woes a little bit? What did you get a chance to play at least? Um, well, one game that I got to play was actually before Tabletop Day. And I played London Dread with Katie. And I don't know if you've played that or know anything about that, but... It's a co-op game where you're planning how you're going to defeat the game within like 8 to 12 minutes, depending on how hard you want to play it. And you're moving your little pieces around, visiting these cards to try to see if you have the correct personalities type to defeat the card. And then you're trying to meet certain plots so you can fight the big bad guy at the end. And then once you hit the bad guy at the end, you get a single roll. And depending on how you roll, you could win or you could lose. So you're trying to make sure you have enough dice that no matter how terribly you roll, you can still win. That that sounds a little like Black Orchestra, where in Black Orchestra you've got like you're building everything up to try and have that one roll be exactly what you want it to be, and then oh boy, I hope it works. Um, so the right. whole game is collecting the right dice. But I'm glad you mentioned this game because I think there was a really outstanding sale on it. And I thought, man, that looks kind of neat. So the fact that you played it and you thought it was at least decent to me sounds like it might be worth investigating. Yeah, I really did like it. And the thing that that made the game really hard is the dice. They're they're one or two sixths, so one third of the dice are success. So four sides of those dice are blank. So we rolled, I think, twelve dice at the end. We only had to get four successes. To win, and we rolled two out wow. of fifteen out of fifteen dice. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough, and That's you can only roll rolling, man. Yeah, you could only roll one time too, which sucks. We had the whole game won, and then we were down to the last guy, and we lost. Well, 
I mean, talking about dungeon crawl classics earlier, when I was playing with my brother, I was the DM and every role I did was like 19, 20, 18, 17. <laughs> and they were all like, and I wanted them to do well, but they were all like four, six, three, two. So dice kind of can make and break a game to a degree. Yeah. Yeah, well, I agree. And that, and that kind of brings me to the game I want to talk about first that I played, which was Wasteland Express Delivery Service. This game is pure Ameritrash. So I'm talking about an Ameritrash game on this show, which almost never happens. Um, but it's kind of a cool game. You build up your, your truck, your semi-truck, and you go to deliver goods. So there's like a selling market, and then there's a buying market. And it's not – it's kind of a market – but there's like certain prices you can buy at that are just kind of randomly generated. So when you buy a good at a place, you take that little chit off and put a new chit on. And then like, so they might have been selling water. Well, now they might be selling ammo and it might have been at $2 when now it's at $4. But then the market prices for selling are variable based on how many are available on the board and if you've sold them or not. So it's kind of a neat game. You can upgrade your truck to have more weapons on it because it's in a post-apocalyptic world and you're trying to make sure the bandits don't come get you and squeeze you. And um, so pretty pretty neat though, uh, pretty neat little game. Um, the dice thing that comes in with, uh, one of the things that I could do was I could get like an extra marksman on my truck. So I paid big bucks to get that. I got two extra marksmen. So I was rolling four dice because I was like, I don't even have to worry about the Raiders. So if I have four dice, it won't be a big deal. My son never did that. He only had two dice. Every time he hit a Raider, he'd get like sevens. And like the best you can roll is an eight. And the probability of rolling an eight is one in 36. And the probability of rolling a seven is like something like four out of 36. He rolled a seven on the one that was a seven. Then later I got a four and I was rolling four dice and the probability of getting like a one or a two is like roughly like one and eight. And I got a, I got a two, I think on that roll. And then the other one, I, I think it was like the weakest truck in the game was another four. And I barely got the four and squeaked it out with four dice. So, I mean, dice are just fickle sometimes, but in spite of that wasteland express delivery service is I'm I'm saying it right now. Pandasaurus hit another home run with this one. Like they have out of the games I've played this year that are new to me, they have two of my top uh, twenty for sure. And Wasteland's an excellent game, and then of course Dinosaur Island's amazing. So uh, good job, Pandasaurus. Send us review copies. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I actually I watched some stuff on Wasteland after you said you played it, and it, it does seem kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, it's a Maritrash, but it's pick up and deliver too, so I can get behind that a little bit. For an Ameritrash game, it's the closest thing I think you'd play. It doesn't happen in space. So it's like Merchant of Venus, but not in space. So right. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's not bad. It's certainly not bad. Um, I'm happy I have it. I got a really nice deal on it because uh, my local shop, he gave me a good discount for being there on tabletop day and trying to facilitate a group. So I'm happy about it until the only thing that made me unhappy is I saw Amazon had it on their sales for like dirt cheap on tabletop day sales, but even then I can't complain. I got a decent price. So, um, you know, it's one of those things, but uh, it's one that like is a pretty cool game. And if you're getting your dinosaur Island surveys, if you're good boys and girls and good riveted, like we, like we tell you, go back dinosaur Island, you should be getting your surveys. And on your survey, you have a chance to back this one. I think at a pretty nice discount. I think you can get an add on copy of this game for like 50 bucks from Pandasaurus. Uh, when you do your dinosaur Island, which is like 40 bucks off, really. Yeah, that's true. I saw that, but I'd already spent enough money. So <laughs> right. Like, yeah, oh, I don't blame you. This yeah. is definitely, this is going to be a four to six in your, in your life, Jason. I had to get, if I had to guess, like, I think you'd play my copy if I tried to really convince you or if it was my birthday and I really wanted to play, I think you'd play, but I don't think this is something that you would say, oh, my game group really needs some of this in their lives. Honestly. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're probably right. What else do you play, Jason? But what they do need in their lives is more Jamie Stegmeier. And I got to play Euphoria. Yeah, at, you're my good boy. I'm clapping for you. <laughs> at three player. And it was really fun. Uh, it didn't even take, it wasn't even that difficult to teach, honestly. So I was kind of intimidated to teach it because there's stuff all over and there's no goals. You just kind of, it's like the Kanban issue where you just kind of do what you want and then maybe something happens. Yeah. So I was just like, hey, here's what this does. Here's what this does. You need this to do this, and then you need to get your stars on the board and go. When I teach it, I try and say, here are the three areas of the board. And then there's this fourth area that's kind of weird, but yeah. here are the three areas. And they do right. slightly different things, but they all have spots for you to put stars out. The whole point of this game is get rid of all your stars. Go. Yeah, exactly. 
Right, yeah. Because it's essentially you're just getting resources and turning the resources into other things. It's just the way that you do it and some of the rules around that that makes it tricky, like the knowledge and the the hearts. or I forget what the hearts are called, but skills or something. But, yeah, it's a fun game, and I had a great time, and I am ready to play it again. Do you put this between Viticulture and Scythe as far as where you rate the games from Stonemaier? Yeah, I'd probably say Viticulture, Euphoria, Scythe, then Charterstone. Yeah, I still haven't played Between Two Cities because I, I could be totally wrong. This is, again, a hashtag convince the mechanics for us. Um, that game, to me, I already have Quadropolis, and I already have Suburbia in my collection, and I just don't see where... And I have a bunch of drafting games, so I just don't see the value of Between Two Cities. I know it's more of a filler than those games, but... right. I don't see the need for it personally. Um, I've heard good things, but I would say my rankings are pretty similar to yours, except for I think I'd flop Scythe and uh, Euphoria. I, I could see where you'd like Euphoria, though. I think it's probably his most complicated game. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Like Scythe, it seems complicated, but it's really pretty straightforward. And Viticulture, the same thing. Like You can't get more streamlined than Viticulture, honestly. That game is just perfect in every way so euphoria gives you a little more options it's a little more brain burnery so i I like that well viticulture its simplicity is why it is amazing honestly so i'm with you on that for sure um but yeah i he i mean seriously they haven't made a uh bad game yet and and here's my awesome bit of awesomeness that uh i found out over the weekend is the 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 fans of the riveted that I played with over the weekend, you know who you are. They uh, they like let the cat out of the bag. They said, "Hey, we we play test for Stonemaier games, and we play tested two of the games that aren't out yet, and we absolutely cannot talk about them at all until he reveals information about them." But they're both really excellent games, and we're looking for more people to play test. And I said, "I am your best friend. Please let me know when that is. I would love to come <laughs> play." So I might get a chance to play test some stuff. Um, if so, awesome. that'd be amazing. When it when it goes public, I could tell you my feelings on it. So I'm I'm keeping my ears open for that for sure. So I'm glad you got to play Euphoria because I really do enjoy that game, and it's it's a pretty good game. It made its way into both of our collections. So yep. yeah, and the other thing too is that's like one that I think if you asked ten pretty big fans of board gaming, hey, name three Stonebuyer games. I would guess maybe two out of 10 would mention Euphoria because it's just not as well-remembered as the other games for whatever reason. Yeah, it would be Charterstone, Scythe, and Viticulture for sure. Yeah. Probably probably in that order, honestly, just because Charterstone's the most recent and is on top of everybody's mind. Yep. Called in the new two. Yep. Well, cool. Uh, I guess it's my turn now, huh? Uh, yep. I got my butt kicked by a five-year-old playing Karuba. <laughs> That's awesome. Um. Like, seriously, it was humiliating, but awesome at the same time. So, like, he taught me how to play. He's like, you need to put a guy here and then put your house at least or temple at least four blocks away inside the island. And the man has to be on the coast because he's arriving on the island and the temple's in the island. And he's like, then I'm going to call numbers and then you're going to put the tiles down and you're going to try and make it so the man can go to the temple. And so, to me, this game reminds me a lot of, like, Suro meets kind of Carcassonne. Um and I like seriously, this kid, like he talked like your typical five year old. Like he has a hard time with like pronouncing R sounds. He was like, <laughs> he was like twenty three, and I was like thirty three. Got it. And 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 he beat me by like seriously twelve points. Like That's he didn't awesome. have like a speech impediment or anything, but he just he talked like a five year old, and like he thought like a five year old, and he. He seriously, he smoked me by like more than a dozen points. So he's going to be a heck of a board gamer by the time he's in middle school or something. Um, but that kid was awesome. And he taught me two games like just, and he already teaches games really well. Um, but his parents guessed that he had 40 plays of crew by this year. So Whoa, that's he, crazy. Yeah. And he doesn't even play the little like junior version. He plays the full blown, like it's still a Haba game, but it's right. got a game to it. It's, it's an awesome game. I think it's one that. If I ever saw a deal on it where it was like on really good sale or closeout, or if I got offered it in trade, it'd be hard to turn down because it's just a fun game. I I really like it. So it sounds like Avenue and like Rise of Augustus all 
mixed together. Yeah, and and it does really seriously feel like a little like Carcassonne because you're putting these tiles down in places where you want them. And it right. has a little bit of that Suro thing because you're trying to make a path that's efficient and gets from one spot to another, um, but doesn't like loop off the board or whatever, you know? So, or like yeah. pin you out. It's It's got some cool mechanisms in it. If I had like a two-year-old and a six-year-old daughter or something, like, I don't know how old your kids are, actually. I hate to say that. But if I had that age of kids, I would give it some strong thought probably. They're four and six. So you were close. Yeah. I actually am kind of interested in this. I've watched a couple things on it and it, I like the, I kind of like games where everybody can play it all the time. Yeah. Like there's no down, there's no downtime in this. Like you're always playing. Right. And I, yeah, I like that. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking into it and maybe it would be a good game for me to play with my girls. So yeah, I'll, I'll ponder it. This adorable little kid just smoked me at this game. So anyway, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I, I didn't get smoked by a little kid on my next game, but I did play five tribes with, um, a couple people who came over. They they came over before they went to a Columbus Crew game. So they stopped by, we played a game, and then they left. Just <laughs> kind of fun. Um, but yeah, we've talked about Five Tribes. It's Mancala. It's Bruno Catala. You're trying to pick up certain colored meeples to get certain powers. You're trying to buy genies to give you some more special powers. And you're just trying to be the player with the most points at the end of the game. And it's kind of thinky because every time you think you have a move planned out, somebody can take it, and then you got to stare at the board for five minutes and figure out what you want to do. But, man, I, the more I play Five Tribes, the more I really like it. Well, if you were like setting them up to play a game before they went to a Columbus Crew game, I would figure you'd play something like Gloom or Bloody End because, from what I understand, there's not many Crew games left in Columbus, at least. Yeah, I think the jury's still out. They're doing like, there's this radio station in Columbus that's doing this say, hashtag save the crew thing. Yeah. And the state's getting involved with like some legal suits against MLS saying, you know, we gave you tax money, so you have to give us an option to buy the team back before you sell it. Yeah, it's crazy. Huh. It's it's a crazy mess. Well, I mean, Columbus is an awesome sports town. I mean, you guys have Ohio State there. Yeah, the Blue yeah. Jackets, the best team in any sport of any kind at all in all of history of mankind. And one then, of the better, one of the better Ohio teams for sure. <laughs> and and then, I mean, like, I don't know, Columbus Crew. You think they'd be supported? And I can't see where Austin's going to do a better job supporting them than Columbus has, honestly. And I think if I remember right, um, they have the only, or one of the only, or the first dedicated MLS stadium to their team. So, I mean, like, I don't know. It's just, it feels bad. So anyway. Yeah, it, it is crazy. Just, you should, you should hear some of the radio people talk about it. <laughs> You're listening to Crew Talk with Jason and Joel. Welcome to our podcast, Inside of a Podcast. Hey, hey we can talk about whatever we want. It's our show. Uh, yeah. So anyway, Panarin, I'm pretty happy about him. He's got a bright future at the Blue Jackets too. I'm excited to watch him grow and develop as a player. So. Yep. Yep. Enough with jacket talk. All right, back to the board game. <laughs> board game mechanics. <laughs> so, yeah, that was Five Tribes. It was fun. And then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love Five Tribes. I think it, I like it better than Yamatai, personally. Um, I don't have the expansions. I don't have the artisans or anything. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I guess I've never really seen a need for it, but I hear they're pretty good. Yeah, it adds, like, the purple people if you get one of them and then... Like some roadblocks, so you have to think of your path that you're going around. Yeah. I mean, I just have the base game, and I still have a great time every time. So. It also introduces drafting and legacy elements, because every expansion <laughs> has to do that now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, my final game I want to talk about was a game that I was taught by a five-year-old on, on Tabletop Day. Um <laughs> I mean, we played some other stuff that I've talked about. I played Brewcrafters, which I always love. It's a great game. I uh, played right. Spice Road, which is always excellent. But this one was new to me, and that was King Domino. I hadn't played it yet. I mean, I'd seen all the rage and stuff. And I didn't understand why people liked it better than Queen Domino until I played King Domino. Because the core mechanisms in King Domino are so, like, just pure and elegant such an overused word but that's like where my mind's going right now is that they're just smooth awesome mechanisms and really to be honest with you i don't think adding anything to that game would add to the overall enjoyability of that game i think it's just so for the way it is and the fun it is it needs to stay right where it's at and just adding those extra buildings and stuff not sure that that is worth it honestly so um i don't know there's probably people who love queen domino out there 
But I understand for sure now the people who defend King Domino as being the game that you should just hang on to and have, um, and that the other stuff just kind of convolutes the game. And I think to me, it kind of matches the argument people had about King of Tokyo versus King of New York, where some people, myself included, like King of Tokyo better than King of New York, just because King of Tokyo is this simple, streamlined game that's really accessible. So I think the same argument exists with King Domino and Queen Domino. And only time will tell which one's around in five years, I guess. Guess which one of the King games I like better. Uh, you like Queen Domino. Oh, King, <laughs> no. King of New York for sure. Yes, I do like King of New York a lot. Yeah. Yeah. If you can always, I mean, like your brain is just like, if you can have four things that you have to think about at once, it makes it happy. So. Yep. That's true. It gets me out of my real life and I get a, get lost in the mechanisms. I like that. That's, that's why you love Dinosaur Island so much because it's actually five board games that you play at once that are all connected. <laughs> and that's awesome. That's, it works well, really, really well. Yeah. And that's yeah, why that's you love Terra Mystica because it's like an actual board game with a weird slider on the side that like has nothing to do with what's happening on the main board. So right. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually been watching stuff on queen domino. Cause I thought that seemed more interesting, but Kim actually said she really, she just got King domino and said she really liked it as well. So maybe I'll just have to give that a go. Yeah. Uh, this is a blue orange game, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, Blue Orange, I'm going to give you a free advertisement. Blue Orange Boys, the best games in all the world. They're happy boys. So um, with that free <laughs> advertisement, you have to send me a giant-sized King Domino because I said it out loud on a podcast. It has to happen. It's legally binding in U.S. courts. So I will get you my address here shortly, and you can send me that giant King Domino any day now. Looking forward to it. So uh, <laughs> I want one of those, it's, but I'm not going to spend 45 bucks on it, but it looks yeah. awesome. It does look awesome. I saw some people playing it at a board game cafe around me, and it's the tiles are huge. They're like four inches or something. They're giant. It's crazy. I'd go beyond that, too. I'd get plywood and like decoupage them onto plywood. So it's like big, fat, <laughs> chunky tiles. Like, yeah. Be awesome. Make it a large yard version of it. <laughs> that would be cool, honestly. With like four by eight sheets of plywood. It's like it becomes one of those Outland games from like Scott people. Like they have to like carry these sheets of tiles and drop them down. <laughs> It's not like all the Outland games. I forget what they're called. Ah, whatever. Someone, someone's yelling at at their podcast right now because they have Scott hit ancestry. You know where they throw the telephone poles and all that stuff. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'll just nod my nod my head and laugh. Sure. Okay. I think you're kiltist. I don't think you like the kilt. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably it. Yeah. Well, what else, Jason? Anything else from Tabletop Day that's worth talking about? Um, I learned a couple games and I played a solo version of Dinosaur Island. Um, but one, one of the games I actually, I played two players solo cause I wanted to learn it and that was Antarctica. Have you played that? No, but I saw that you picked it up and I see where it's on clearance a couple places. What do you think? Yeah. Like it seemed like I got it cause it was like 15 bucks or something. I was like, and it had cool bits and it's by one of the guys who works with Bruno Catala a lot. And I was like, man, this looks really cool. So I played it. Just by myself, but I really like the mechanisms. You're just moving a little sun around, thawing out your boat so you can move around and do some people. You're just trying to build more buildings faster than your opponent to get more points, and there's a little bit of an area control in each space. Yeah, it's fun. I liked it, and just playing by myself, it was like 30 minutes, so it's a fun game for 30 minutes. Out of the 20 people that came through the board game shop when I was doing tabletop day demos, probably 17 of them mentioned the thing... Outpost Thirty One or whatever that game's called. Do you, are you familiar oh, yeah. with that? Yeah, They're, it's in the little tin. It's in the little tin, right? Uh, this one was in an actual big box, but yeah, oh. I mean, it, it's a bunch of people were obsessed with it, and I don't know anything about it. So again, convince the mechanics. Tell me why I should learn about it. I guess, but it looks yeah. sort of interesting. And then they had one copy, and a bunch of people were eyeballing it. And then, like my friend who. I don't think he listens to the show, but if he does, hi, you know who you are. He knew nothing about the game. He was like, oh, the thing is cool. I like that movie. I'm buying this game. And he like went and just bought it, knowing, knowing nothing about it. So <laughs> Ticked all those people off for sure. Yeah, they were all mulling it over, and they were like, out of, curti- out of courtesy to each other, like, ah, if you want to buy it, go ahead. Oh, you can buy it. And then Sean's like, the thing, me buy. And he goes up and buys it. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, hey, you snooze, you lose, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, I did that, and that's about all I got, so, yep. All right, guys, so for the feature, we have an interview with uh, one of our super fans, Mr. Picorni, Mike Picorni, that is, and he's going to tell us about five games that he likes 
and he made sure to say that they're not in any particular order. So, without further ado, here's Mike. Hey guys, so Joel and me, Jason, are here with one of our biggest fans of all time, Mr. Mike Picorni. Hey Mike. Hey, how's it going? Biggest <laughs> fan of all time. It's clearly true. We have two super fans and you're definitely one. I'm trying to figure out what that means. Like, <laughs> I don't know. First guy in line for the bad Star Wars movie. <laughs> I really kind of identify myself as hashtag person zero. Uh, I, I like that. You'll have to go back in the Wayback Machine and pull what episode that's out of. I don't even remember what episode that's out of. <laughs> I think that was the beginning of uh, tag all your friends so that uh, we get more listeners. Oh, yeah. The friend uh, friend campaign. Yeah. 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 You are patient zero, person zero <laughs> for sure. <laughs> all right. So, Mike, while you're on here, we wanted you to talk about... The five, your five favorite games, maybe just now of all time, whatever, just your five favorite games. So go ahead and let us know, and then we'll give you some ribbing if we disagree. Uh, I'm sure you'll disagree, so I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to sit down for the ribbing. <laughs> uh, so uh, no, no particular order. I, uh, the the first game that I have on my list was Betrayal at the House on the Hill. It's uh, you know. We're a bunch of kids investigating a haunted house. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, and you know, it has this, you know, it, the house bits built uh, randomly. And at some point someone turns traitor and then they are all trying to kill each other. Well, one person is trying to kill the rest of us. And there's a, uh, you know, secret missions. Um, I really love playing the game. It's hard for me to get it to the table because it requires at least three people. And sometimes getting two people to the table is, is a, is a challenge for me. So, amen. I always try and I, when I had a game day on International Tabletop Day uh, last Saturday, I tried to uh, get some people to play it, and I only had one person show up, and they said, "We're not going to play that game, are we?" I'm like, "There's only two of us, so no, we're not going to play that game." <laughs> they called it that game, huh? Yeah, they called it that game. <laughs> have you have you played Betrayal at Boulder's Gate? I have not. Uh, I've seen it, but I haven't. I haven't purchased it, and basically because of the same reason. It's like, well, what do I need another game that requires three? Yeah, I feel you. I've played this. Ga- I played this game once, and I thought, you know, this is a game that is ripe for a Scooby Doo theme. Like seriously, I think if it was Scooby Doo, it would actually be more entertaining because at least you could play as like Velma or like Fred or whatever their names are. That'd be pretty yeah. sick. That'd People have cool. done that. You can see, like, they have little homebrew files that you can get Scooby-Doo for it, which is kind of awesome. And people even have directions on where to buy the right miniatures and stuff. <laughs> so it's definitely a thing people do, for sure. That is awesome. That'd be cool. <laughs> that would be very cool. Um, I had this game. I had the old Avalon Hill Redbox edition of it. Yeah. And this is kind of a fun story. I don't know. I guess we'll call it fun. A weird little story about how, like, I used to be weird about stuff. Like there's two tiles that have like sacrificial idols or something on them. And like I pasted up the thing to not have pentagrams on it because I was so like at one point I was so like freaked out by pentagrams. (laughs) But then the game went out of print and it was worth like a lot of money. And I was like, man, that was really probably stupid of me to do because now I could like sell the game if it were not in terrible condition. But I think I did end up trading it away for something at some point. So I don't know. It's uh, it's a game that I liked okay. I think Mansions of Madness for me personally has fired it, but um, it's cool. The only thing I complain about too on it, I don't know if they fixed this or not with the newest edition, but the edition I had had these little clips on the edge that like seriously, if you like looked at them wrong, they popped off your cardboard and you were like, <laughs> did I have like seven on that or six? I don't remember. That was the only thing that I like really complained about it. It is a fun, good time. It's not something that you're going to try and keep score and take super seriously. It's, it's an experience. It's a dramatic fun event. I would think for sure. I have the new, I had the old edition. I have the new edition also. And with the expansion, they don't really, they didn't really fix the clips issue. It, it's a little better, but not much better. Uh, the other the other thing that really happens with this game is is like it goes it can be like really one sided one way or the other like oh the 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 traitor has everything they need and the heroes have nothing that they need so it's just like you know it's like all fall down or or it's the other way around so 
sometimes the game gets really kind of you know, one-sided and no fun, which I think is what people uh, mostly object to. I was on an episode of uh, the old Dice Tower Showdown that used to be around. I don't think it's even a thing really anymore. But um, on that episode, they did Mansions of Madness versus Betrayal at the House on the Hill. And yeah. the guy that was defending Betrayal said, well, it's like watching a movie. And the guy that I was on the team with said, yeah, you know, like every movie where midway through the movie, people change like scripts and they decide <laughs> differently on what roles they're going to play. Well, I, I do like my B-horror movies, so it goes right along with it. So I have no problem with this game, though, Mike. It's a fun game for sure. Yeah, I played it. I played it once, and I thought this is fun for about thirty minutes, and then once the trader came in, it took like an hour and a half. I was like, "Yeah, I'm done," because I wasn't the trader, so we were just getting destroyed for an hour and a half. So, yeah, I I was done. Yeah, but I've been on the short end of the stick a few times, so it's yeah, I get you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is fun. It's it's just fun hanging out with people, making the story ridiculous. I mean, it was it was a fun game. I wouldn't mind playing it again, but it's not something that. I don't think I would ask to play, but if somebody brought it over, I may give it a shot. All right, so I'll go on to the next one, uh, and that's uh, Flashpoint Fire Rescue. And this is the game. This game I bought is my first Kickstarter game, so I, I think that was 2011 when I came out, and pretty much got drawn into it because I'm a firefighter. So hey, this, this is like the only firefighting game that I was aware of. Uh, and every time I bring this out, people just love to play it. It's fully cooperative, and you know, everyone just kind of gets into it. I mean, I have a lot of firefighter friends, so they like it too. Um, I probably have all of the expansions. There's probably a couple out that I don't have, but uh, I only really end up playing the base version because that's what everyone likes. So. I, I'm glad it's on your list because I was going to ask you about this if it wasn't. But uh, as a firefighter, if you thought it was you know even remotely inaccurate representation of being a firefighter, I mean, like, when you guys go fight fires, do you have to roll dice before you go in to know where the fire's at? Or? Well, we don't roll actual dice, but it, it, sometimes it happens. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it does kind of just kind of follow that, you know, as long as you put the fire out, everything's good. But if you don't do anything with the fire, just things kind of go pretty, pretty bad pretty quickly. So in, in that respect, it works. I'm with you, Mike. I, uh, I've got this game, and I've got Extreme Danger as well. And um, I never play with Extreme Danger, or I've got the one that's a boat as well, like a houseboat. Yeah. It, it's worth some bucks now, man. I don't know. It's kind of out of print. So I've given some half thought to maybe, I don't know, moving this one to a new home. But I love the base game a lot, and I can play it with kids. Like, it's a fun game to yeah. play with my students. So it's very gateway. I personally like it a little better than Pandemic myself because I think the dice – I just think it makes it more exciting to be like, oh, man, there's this huge thing of fire here. And then you don't roll it for like four turns and you're like, oh, we have hope. But that's false hope because forget it. It's going to explode. <laughs> Darn right. So, Mike, have you played uh, Police Precinct? I have not. Uh, I was just going to see how this game compared to that because I like Police Precinct, but I've never played Flashpoint. Don't like police and firefighters have like a cats and dogs thing, like a secret rivalry? You know, if they scored higher on the test, then uh, they would have been firemen. So, <laughs> so what you're calling police precinct is Flashpoint Junior. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. Uh, let's see. His words, not mine, guys. That's right. <laughs> I'm a professional. Don't try this at home. All right. So the next uh, next game on the list, uh, I I actually put two games on the list. They're both by the same company. It's uh, one is called Snowblind. And the other one is called Ancient Terrible Things. They're both kind of push-your-luck dice games. Snowblind, you play as uh, uh, explorers to the South Pole and see if you can get to the South Pole first and come back, hopefully with most of your guys left. You score points basically on, on whether you get there first and how many guys you come back with. Uh, and then in, in uh, Ancient Terrible Things, uh, some people call it Cthulhu Yahtzee. Basically, you're trying to collect points, and you have to match your dice roll to a, a, a combination on the card. That's how you beat that event or and collect the artifacts. So it's uh, again both kind of push your luck. You know, like I try and if in Cthulhu uh, Yahtzee or Ancient Terrible Things, if you fail to make the uh, the dice roll, then you know you get you don't get negative points necessarily, but the game will end quicker. Uh, so 
both those games put out by Pleasant Company Games are out of uh, South of, uh, South Africa. Just really fun games. Uh, again, when I put them out for game night or you know game day, both people, everyone likes to play them. So I I saw Snowblind on a recent. What is your most underrated game that you play? And somebody had that on their list of this is my most underrated game that I play. So that's got my interest for sure. But then the other thing is it was like they did a link, and when there's a link on, I think it was on Reddit or maybe it was on Board Game Geek, maybe it was on Facebook even. It had a little like thumbnail of that game or referencing that game and it had like a like yeti with huge eyeballs so i didn't click on the link to see if that's the actual art in the game but is there like a yeti person with huge eyeballs on the front of the box not on snowblind uh i think there's a i think most of their artwork is like guys in in like parkas i mean they don't you can't even like see people's faces that explains the virus i have on my computer now (laughs) could be (laughs) I don't know what you're clicking on the on the internet. So. <laughs> yeah, I might not want to know. Yeah. Um, how often do you play Ancient Terrible Things? Because I've actually been one kind of wanting this game, but I didn't know if it's if it loses its luster after a few plays, or if it's cool every time. Or uh, it doesn't get to the table that often, and and mostly it's a function of uh, you know it's a competitive type game, and most a lot of the games that I play. Are solo only, or you know, have solo abilities, and uh, you know, when I get people together, I, I suggest it, and they don't really go for it. Uh, there's an, I feel like there's enough variability in the cards and events that it would, you would kind of, you would uh, have a, at least a, a, an extended time to play it, or you know, the, the replayability is pretty good, but uh, right, hard to know. Hmm. All right, cool. There, there was an expansion which I did get. And basically adds more cards to it, so I think the replayability is there. Just there's only so many, so much, so many time, so much time in the day to play a game. So. Right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, the next game I had on my list was Runebound, uh, second edition. I, I played the I played the junk out of that game, at least the second edition version. Just uh, you know, big into adventuring, lots of story. I actually ended up playing the solo, you know, somebody's uh, solo version of it, you know, that I got on Board Game Geek. I played it a ton, and it really just, I just would set it up and I would let it go and play and play and play and play. This this was before I had cats, but uh, I have I have the third edition and I've played it a couple of times. Uh, hasn't like this hasn't displaced the second edition yet. So, and plus I have other games that have the same kind of same kind of. Uh, it's the same kind of scratch, which is, you know, Gloom and Killport, they have that. I got Pathfinder Metric Card Game. I have a couple of, you know, trying to think what they do, Winnerers Wood, which is put out by Privateer Pest. I mean, there's all kinds of adventuring car, uh, or adventuring games, which I end up getting into. So, Does this game have minis in it? Uh, it has minis, but basically just to represent your one adventurer or, or the adventurers if you're playing multiple players. But that's it. Otherwise, gotcha. it's cardboard. Yeah, it's a, it's a deck builder at its core. Is that right? Uh, the, no, it's really just kind of you're going around and you're trying to you know basically buff up your guy to fight the end boss. There's not there's not really a deck. You would get you basically you would buy equipment or buy you know get experience to to improve your stats. I don't. There's not really a deck building part of it like you know, like you would have in like an Ascension or Hero Realms or anything like that. Okay. Huh. I, I know this one has been around for a while and I know a lot of people do like it. I've just never had a chance really to play it yet myself, personally. Uh, so I can't really comment. I've stumped you. <laughs> yeah, I, this actually seems like it's kind of interesting to me, especially now that I know it doesn't have minis. So that's a little more uh, enticing. But, you know, the third edition, instead of rolling dice for combat, they have this... Uh, they lack better. They call them combat tokens, but I, you know, I call them pogs. So you, <laughs> you're, you're flipping pogs to basically do a combat result. With the uh, the expansion that came out for the unbreaking unbreakable bonds, basically makes it solo, make it a solo game or a co-op, and it it you know it has an AI for all the monsters that you encounter uh, in the base game. You can play it solo. You just have to like you have, you have to run the monsters yourself. Hmm. This is Fantasy Flight, right? That's right. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I may have to look into this one a little bit. 
I think my wife would like it, actually. And Mike's number one game, and he alluded to it, was Pogs. All right, go ahead, Mike. Talk about Pogs. Well, I have a, I have a, a huge collection of Slammers. <laughs> and, must have been and, alive in the 90s. And, and, and not much else. Do you remember when people used to trade Slammers and Pogs during like school? Do you remember that? I, I remember it. I was, I, was, uh. I was not a participant. I just I knew of it. I sadly participated, and that makes me hate my life a little bit. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so go ahead and tell us what your number one favorite game of all time, or whatever criteria you use this. Well, I, don't, I, don't, well, I didn't put it in any kind of order. So uh, the, the last game on my list was uh, I, I put Sorrow of the Seas. I When I went to Gen Con, that was uh, a while ago. The, the only time I've been to Gen Con, I, I found out about Sorrow, you know, the game, period. And it was kind of interesting. It was like, yeah, it's kind of neat. And, you know, the pathfinding through. But then I found out about Star of the Seas, and that really, uh, that really excited me because mostly because the game can win. Uh, you know, when you have these dragons wandering around, and if the, if the dragon runs into you, well, you're out. So uh, it's, you know, it was a fun game for me. I can, I can pretty easily get people who are not gamers to play this game and they get it pretty quickly and they usually, and they always, always have a good time. And, and when, if you have sorrows of the seas, you can just play regular sorrow without the dragons. But I usually throw the dragons in because they're dragons. So, right. I played this game at seven players one time. Cause I think it plays up to eight. It does. And man, that was insane. There were like three people were dead in the first round. Yeah. The dragons were just smashing everybody. It was, it was nasty. Yeah. I, I did actually get a copy of Sorrow for my mom. She's you know in her mid seventies. So like, mom, you'd like this game. You know, you like patterns, so she plays it with my with my nieces. So she likes it. That's true. I didn't think about that. I feel like that would be a good like grandparent game. You know, for like the holidays. Yeah, that, that's a good idea actually. Sorta, but this is one of those games like Carcassonne and like Ticket to Ride, where when you play it the first four times with someone, you're really kind. You're like, look at that neat long path you made. And then every other time you play it, you're like, I'm gonna run you off the edge of the world and kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But if you're playing games for the holidays, that's usually what happens. Like every you know, first day is like everyone's happy to see each other, and then by the end, it's like, when are you leaving? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. The parallels are there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so cool that, that's uh my top five-ish games that's cool mike thanks for coming on uh we probably should ask you a few like weird questions before we let you go i'm guessing well i got some weird questions for you too so uh i can't prepare oh, oh we'll take them <laughs> why, why, why don't you fire first so i can know what kind of rated pg material i can get into so uh hot dogs no heck no or sure whatever i love hot dogs well, I, I do too. Um, well, well, I guess the the other part is it with or without ketchup. No ketchup here. With without ketchup. All right. I, we live close to Chicago, or I do at least, and I think that like they put hot dog puree into baby bottles in Chicago. <laughs> so I'm not positive <laughs> of that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> yeah. So pizza, thin crust, or deep dish. I'm going to go back to Chicago, Chicago style, man. I know you're probably a New York style guy yourself over there on the East Coast, but. Yep. Thin, thin, thin pizza for me. I don't really like thin crust either. So give me the oh. the, deep, the deep dish mm. stuff. All We're right. ganging up on you, Picorni. Well, you know. <laughs> and then the last one I got is, is it soda or is it pop? It's Mountain Dew. That's it's, what it is. It's soda pop. Soda pop. <laughs> Not Coke, I guess. Yeah, I call it. I think I call it soda as well. Yeah, your fascination with us mostly is that we're Midwesterners, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I, I did go to school in Grinnell, Iowa, and uh, the the first week that I was there, I was I went to the uh, I went to the grocery store to buy a, a twelve pack of Coca Cola, and the young girl behind the check stand said, "Would you like your pop in a sack?" And I it it took me a long time to figure out what that meant. And then, like, when you say to buy a 12-pack of Cokes, like, what kind of Cokes were they? Were they actually Coca-Cola it was, Cokes? It was actually Coca-Cola Cokes, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good they work. do like to call everything Coke. <laughs> Good work. That's funny. So tell us a cool, heroic firefighting story. Is there anything you could tell us? 
Have you done like something cool before? Like, okay, don't tell us something like, I'm sure that you've got plenty of heartrending like heroic stories, but tell us something that's going to make people be like, oh, Mike's a cool guy. Like where you saved a cat from a tree or something like that, like stereotypical. I did save a cat from a tree once. Well, I didn't personally do it because I'm not the, I'm not the one that's going to try and grab a cat who's uh, upset about being up in a tree. Uh, we, we, we did get called for a cat in a tree, and I was driving the, the ladder truck, and we re-rolled up there. We put the rookie in some turnout gear, <laughs> <laughs> had him climb the ladder to grab this cat, and the cat tore him to ribbons. So, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. And now he's a police officer. Oh. Uh, I'm not really sure. Maybe he is. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you get a chance uh, to play anything last weekend for Tabletop Weekend, Corny? The, the games I played on uh, uh, Tabletop Day, I played uh, Portal of Heroes, which is a little card game. You're trying to uh, basically get heroes, you know, uh, activate heroes to your side and and they're worth points. He gets the first person to get the twelve points is the winner. And then we played a, a few rounds of Village Pillage because you know I still have my uh, print and play version. So that game is really good. Like the more I play that game, the more I really like it. That is a fun little game. It was fun. I think the uh, the person I had over, she had her toddler with her, so it was we needed games that were uh, not super intense because we had to kind of make sure that he wasn't uh, you know ripping the house up. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I had a question, but I lost it, Mike. Do you, do people call you Picorni? Is that they, they do? Yeah, I, I'm. You know, my last name's Kratzer, and so pretty much that's been my name my whole life. It's just the benefit of having one of those crazy last names. Smith over there doesn't know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, people can call me Smitty because it's cool, and that's how I roll. But I don't really. People call me Jason because that's my name. <laughs> he gets really mad at Smitty. <laughs> Smitty was my grandpa, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have we have we have a few Smiths uh, on the uh, on the fire department, and some of them are Smitties. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy. It's an easy name to go with with when your last name Smith. <laughs> have, do you have any? I'm going to get back to real questions here. Do you have anything you're looking forward to getting yet, or anything you've kickstarted recently? Uh, I probably have like a dozen or so games that I'm waiting on. Uh, let's see. I, I think we talked about, or at least it might have been on uh, the Discord. You know, I did get City of Kings. I still, other than opening the box, I still haven't played it. Uh, I have Vast. I haven't played that yet either. I like Vast. Vast is a good game. I I did. I'm waiting for Dark Light, Memento Mori. It's being shipped to. It's coming out of Great Britain. It's already shipped to a bunch of people. I, I guess. The, the American shipping is uh, takes a lot longer. I did back a game from Mexico, Necromomicor, and that I don't even know where that is right now. It got shipped to Mexico, then it got shipped back to China, and supposedly it shipped to the United States. Uh, I don't know. Mexico, Mexico is literally right next to us. Why couldn't uh, they just ship it right here? Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kickstart games, but then I don't really follow it. I think there was something. I, there was something. You know, I'm not a Kickstarter like, oh, I'm gonna follow it every second and, and comment right, and post right. and, and but I think there was something about if he if they imported it into the te- into the Mexico, they would have to pay a, a heap load of taxes and and then ship it out. So if it just went straight from China to the United States, they wouldn't have to pay these taxes. I think that was the gist. But that's crazy. That is so crazy. Um, I'm trying to think what else is coming up. Uh, I did back. Uh, Dire Wild, I don't. I think that's coming later this year. Mask of the Red Death, that's coming later this year. So, all the Gloom of Kill, all the Gloom of Kill Fourth expansions are coming. So, Mike, you are the anti-Jason when it comes to board gaming. Oh yeah, I was listening to you talking. I was like, uh, yeah, I didn't back any of these or look at any of these. <laughs> I'm I'm a little more of a balance. I will play an Ameritrash game every once in a while, but. Man, these games are all ones that I've not heard Jason rave like a lunatic about. So uh, I played in a little Ameritrash this weekend uh, for you, Corny. So I played Wasteland uh, Express Delivery. Okay. I don't know if you ever played that one or not, but that's not. that's real cool. Like It's Mad Max, the board game, but they 
couldn't get the licensing rights is what I've determined. It's pretty cool though. You're driving like a post-apocalyptic semi-truck across the wasteland. It's like Borderlands and Mad Max kind of go together and make this kind of cool, like shoot stuff with your semi-truck and make people happy because you brought them water, but not super happy because you charged them a lot of money for it. So it's a pretty cool game though. You build these semi-trucks and just drive them across the desert and all kinds of fun stuff. So I don't know if it's uh if you're in a, if you're in a Marathrasher, I'm going to use the politically correct term, I guess for it now. It's a pretty cool little game. I think I saw the game on the Kickstarter and I was interested, but I ultimately didn't back it. I think I was at this. I already got too much money spent in Kickstarter. I got to yeah. kind of cut it back a little bit. I too played some Ameritrash. What do you think about that? I played Pixel Glory, huh? That's a dungeon crawl. Uh, Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) Jason, here's Jason for you. I too played some Ameritrash games this weekend. I played Euphoria. That's kind of trashy. I mean, there's some fighting. You're biting for, you're bumping people off of spots. I mean, come on. Give me something. Hey, the real question I was going to ask you earlier, Mike, was you, when you guys have the downtime at the station, do you ever get the guys to play a board game? Uh, I have not. I work at a pretty busy station, so that, that having time at the station doesn't really uh, doesn't really lend itself to it. But uh, other gotcha. stations, other stations that I've been to, I've seen them play games that usually usually involves like poker. I, I don't know if that's allowed, but uh, it happens. Well, I mean, like. Uh, I guess my stereotypes being here in like the more rural areas, whenever I've gone to tour like a fire station with my like students or even as a student, they always talk about like whenever there's extra time, you do A, B, and C. And that's because here in Indiana, there probably is extra time for your, your, uh, if you're a firefighter and there's not a lot going on. But I guess you really, I guess there probably are some downtimes, but I'll bet you guys stay pretty busy where you're at. Yeah, we, I work at a station that's uh, right outside uh, a large retirement community and they seem to have a problem with gravity sometimes, so uh, we gotta help them back up. <laughs> That's that could be worse, I guess. Well, hey, Mike, thanks for doing what you do as a firefighter. Uh, I don't think you guys get the appreciation that you know you deserve. Um, you guys have just as dangerous a job as um, you know podcasters. the soldiers out there and 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 podcasters. We look at we face. All kinds of peril when it comes to paper cuts and strained vocal cords. Uh, No, but honestly, thanks for what you do. Uh, And I don't think that we appreciate firefighters enough. So uh, you're welcome. I really appreciate it. I agree. Anything else, Mike? No, uh, nothing else on this end. You did an excellent job coming on here. You hit a home run, man. First, first listener guest. Thanks. May have to do it again. I'll, I'll try and come up with a better list. <laughs> the, uh, the the game I think uh, the game I I was saw I was exposed to recently was called Space Base. That that was oh, yeah. to me. Oh yeah, that's like the Machi Koro yeah, killer or it's something. Like Machi Koro, but it got fixed, is what they're saying. Uh, I never yeah. played Machi Koro, so I wouldn't know. Skip it. It sounds like go right to Space Base. Yeah, yeah. It's like Space Base, but Space okay. Base is better. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. Uh, cool, Mike. And I think your list of games is perfectly awesome. Every game that you mentioned, I would sit down and play with you. I just cool. uh, was, again, distracted by my technical malfunctions on my end, but also just uh, don't know a ton about them, but I would definitely definitely be interested in checking those out, especially Runebound. I mean, I've, I've seen enough people just rave about that game, and then to hear that you like it as much as you do, too, is another nice vote for it. So... I would watch you and Joel play all of those games while I play something with cubes. So, Sorrow yeah. has those cool stones, man. You got to count those as something. Well, Sorrow of the Seas has little ships. Oh, good point. How how is Sorrow of the Seas different than regular Sorrow? It has dragons. It has dragons, pretty much. If you get the expansion, then you get uh, tidal waves and whirlpools too. So it's like a meaner version, and right. you bought it for your mom. Uh, I got my mom the regular version. Oh, gotcha. I got the mean version for myself because I'm all about having the game win. <laughs> you wanted your mom to still have a relationship with her grandchildren, it sounded like. so. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome, Mike. Thanks for being on. Sure thing. All right. So, yeah. Mike is a cool guy. Um, he likes games that I'm not particularly interested in. 
but hey, to each his own. Um, we did have something in common. We both owned, well, I don't, I don't anymore, but he likes Suro of the Seas, so that's something. Uh, and the fact that I wasn't like absurdly jumping over everything you said and trying to like crack jokes about everything you said has no indication of me not liking the guy. It has everything to do with my computer was totally malfunctioning in the middle of that interview. And so I feel really bad, Mike. I normally am a little more lighthearted and more fun than that. But I feel like there was like a lot of dead air in there that I think you probably had to cut out because normally I'm all over that dead air, but not today. So I think I I think I fixed it, though. I think I'm making some good sounds right now. We'll see. Maybe not. Maybe those listening to the podcast can go, no, boy, you didn't fix it. Go try and fix (laughs) it. No bueno. No bueno. We'll see. Only only time will tell. P.S. Jason, if you're at, you know, one hour and 40 minute mark or whatever we're at right now of editing, and it's because it took you 10 hours because it sounds horrible. Sorry, Jason. I'll try and fix it and make it better. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm flying solo without a wife for a few days. So what else do I got to do? I mean, I guess I could watch my kids too, but... I can do that and, and edit a podcast, I guess. Nickelodeon Jr. is doing a good job. I mean. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Joe and Steve and Blue. I mean, it's. I don't think they're still on TV, but they're good guys. I trust them to babysit. Yeah, that's true. We have a lot of uh, the bubble guppies that watch our kids right now and Dora the Explorer. So, yeah. Thomas the Tank Engine was my son's babysitter. <laughs> Um, well, Hey, on a much more serious note, Jason, you won't brag about yourself. So I'm going to brag about you. Jason is the most, um, how do I say this in a PG rated family show way? He has the most guts of anybody I know. So how many people do you know are just like, Hey, Vidal Lacerda, what's up? Um, I have a podcast, like seven people listen to it. Will you be interviewed by us? Jason does that. So Jason, you're amazing. What's coming to the next show? Yeah, so Vital Lacerda will be coming to the next show. The interview will be getting recorded later this week, and we'll try to get him on the next episode, which would be awesome, because he has some new games coming out that are exciting. Absolutely. And, like, there's a really funny story about this um, thing that happened one time. Once I had this friend who was, like, obsessed with this board game designer, and he didn't really have any personal days off. And this board game designer lived in Portugal. So like he needed to be interviewed during the day. And the other guy who kind of likes him, like had some personal days he could take. So he took one and could interview him during the day. And it was kind of like crazy that the guy who kind of likes this board game designer unnamed uh, from Portugal, like ended up doing the interview. So whereas the other one's like, it'd be like me trying to interview like, uh, it'd be like, hey, Joel, do you want to interview the late Chris Farley? Yeah, please. I mean, like, I don't know. One of my heroes. Um, is that sad that Chris Farley was my go-to hero? Hey, he's awesome. There's no harm in loving Chris Farley. He's hilarious. Well, was hilarious. Yeah, it's too bad. I wish you were in on the Vidal interview, too. But I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to him. So, yeah, you'll get to talk to Stefan Feld after he forgives us and drops the restraining <laughs> order. Yeah. I think, yeah, maybe after the last couple episodes, he's... We've mended some of those fences, and we'll see. But, you know, I mean, we'll get Kramer and Kiesling on at some point, or, you know, Reiner Kinesia or Alan Moon, and we'll have to, like, get our bleep button out for Alan Moon. So (laughs) I don't know if you heard that story or not, but that's a pretty fun story I just heard over the weekend, too. Yeah, he'll tell that fish joke or the cooking joke with the priest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a funny story. Those people who don't know, Dice Tower is a super family-friendly show, and... Like, I guess at Dice Tower Live last year at Gen Con, he told a really filthy joke. And <laughs> yeah. Steve Bodicor, like, literally had to pry the microphone out of his hands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I just, I just don't even understand why he would do that. He knows, like, what the Dice Tower is. Yeah. Uh, if you're out on Moon, you do what you want to do. That's true. Who's going to stop you? Certainly not Days of Wonder. They're like, hey, buddy, let us have that Ticket to Ride license. We love you. Yeah. I mean, hey, whatever, man. Sometimes you just got to tell a a filthy joke in front of a family, I guess. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Here's the thing. I love Alan Moon. He's one of my favorite designers. Airlines Europe is an amazing game. Ink and Gold's amazing. Um, Freight Yard, Freight Train, I mean, is a pretty awesome game. Freight Yard's the ripoff. Um, 
maybe that's why he told a dirty joke. He was like, Freight Yard's getting so much love, and Freight Train, my game, doesn't get the love. Like, I'm going to tell a dirty joke. <laughs> well, well, I guess we the- can scratch Alan Moon off the list of people that'll be on our show now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're cutting, we're making the field smaller for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening to this point. Um, actually, this show may have only been about 30 minutes long by the time Jason edited it. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> thanks for listening. Talk to you later or yep. whatever. I guess I won't talk to you later, but I'll read your posts on the Riveted. And we'll talk at you later. How about that? Oh, that sounded like a smooth FM DJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys later. I did just say that I, I like Vast, and Vast is a dungeon crawl, okay? It is a dungeon so, crawl. So Where clearly, you can play as a sentient cave. That doesn't count, man. <laughs> yes, it does. Caves have feelings, too. <laughs> There's true. your outtake, Jason, right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And, I mean, like, I got rid of the pillow. So, I mean, that was a good sign of trust, I think. Yeah, I bought it from you, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be laying right next next to me when Katie's on vacation. Uh, you made it weird now. <laughs> I just played war games with it. <laughs> yeah, I might have to edit that last statement out. <laughs> yep, those of you who waited for the outtakes part, that probably made it there. Good job. Way to listen all the way to the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs>